They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The book of Acts gives us the best picture we have of what life would have been like among the first Christians. If you want to have some idea of what those first followers of Jesus did, who they were, how they lived, you turn to the book of Acts. And in fact, this was even a time in this passage before they called themselves Christians. They were those who believed in Jesus's teachings and they followed what he had to say. It's this really wonderful picture. So sometimes people will say things like this, you know, everything would be great if we could just get back to living like those first Christians. Or sometimes they'll say, you know, if we could just get back to John Wesley's Methodism, everything would be just fine. Or, you know, uh, sometimes it's like if we could just get back to the 1960s and the way we were church then, wow, it would be great. But the problem, people of God, is that we have been created not to live backwards, but to live in the presence with our eye on growing into the future, growing into the people God continues to call us and lead us to be. You know, I read something just the other day about bananas. How many of you have recently eaten a banana? Some of you don't want to admit it. Now, did you know that the first bananas were introduced in the United States in the late uh, 1800s? And it was a variety of banana called the Gros Michel banana. And America went crazy for this banana. They wanted this banana so much that the producers overproduced, and pretty soon they couldn't produce any more of that variety. So around 1960, the only banana you could buy was the Cavendish. And that, friends, is the banana we eat today. You go in any mm, convenience store, any grocery store, you are buying a Cavendish banana. Now suppose you have grandma or great-grandma's recipe for banana bread or for banana pudding, pudding, thank you. And so you're like, 
Oh, I loved grandma's pudding. And so you follow step by step. You make it exactly the way you're supposed to make it, and it just doesn't taste like grandma's. Because you can't get the, the first original banana, which was sweeter and which was firmer and which cooked up differently. And no matter what you do to try and recreate grandma's recipe exactly the way she did it, you never can. Because the world changes and things are out of our control. I guarantee you, people of God, you do not want to go back to being a first century Christian. No pews, no air, no heat, no bathrooms. And the only church you... Oh, that one got y'all. The only, only church you could go to was the one in walking distance. So if you had a, a dud of a preacher, you were out of luck. You couldn't go church shopping. Now, now I have convinced everyone that you do not want to be a first century Christian. And yet, and yet... There is something timeless about the Word of God where we have to take a look at this passage in Acts and we say, what is it about these early Christians that is being shown to us for our own lives in Christ in this very day? Because when we look at this passage of these very first followers of Jesus, there's an excitement. There's an enthusiasm. There's a, it's Sunday morning, we're going to worship. How many of you did that this morning? Be honest. Okay, I got at least a sort of, most of you aren't going to get up and go, woohoo, I'm on my way to church. But you get the sense that these people were on fire for their life in Christ. That they were together, they prayed together, they worshipped together, they broke bread together. In fact, when it says they ate at home, the text is such that it might just be saying they ate from house to house. In other words, you're inviting one another to come and eat with each other. These people were really in the open to the Spirit of God and bound together with Jesus as the head. These people were really together and trying to be one body in Christ. And you know, the, the heart of the gospel is, is essentially this. Once we were separated from God and we were separated from one another, but in and through Jesus Christ, we become one. We are one people, one body, one baptism. We are intended to be united as one in the Spirit. And so you also get this glimpse of these people that some people go, well, that's socialism. 
No, there wasn't socialism. Socialism didn't come along until much, much later. These were poor people, and as poor people, for the most part, and as poor people understood, you know what? If I have something and you're in need, I'm going to share with you. I mean, so much of the time, this village is that way. If there is something I can do to help you, if it's in my means, I'm going to do my best to help you. There is represented here a kind of unselfishness. What I have, what I am able to give is yours uh, because I care for you. I love you. We are together. We are one. What I have, I will share with you. Um, I'm going to ask Phil to put a picture up here, which I think he has. Yeah, the guy in a hat. It's a guy by the name of Jason. They're down in Louisiana. Some of you may have heard uh, this story recently. And Jason is actually does sales of memorials. So he goes to churches, he goes to graveyards, and you know, he's cemeteries, and he's selling memorials. And so he has this friend at one of the churches who is a priest who's always uh, hearing these stories about him going to churches and in cemeteries. And the priest always says to Jason, did you find your ghost? Now, he doesn't mean, did you see a ghost in the graveyard? What the priest is always asking him is, did you find the Holy Ghost? Did you find the Holy Spirit? Has your heart been open to the Spirit of God? And Jason would always say to him, I'll keep looking, I'll keep looking. So one day, recently, the priest said, did you find your, your ghost? And he said, no, but I promise I'll keep looking. Well, Jason then went to the grocery store. He bought $30 worth of groceries. He was checking out. He took his card, declined. You know what that's like. You know what that, that just happened to <laughs> So he tried it again, declined. Kevin, who was behind him in line, said, I got this, don't worry. And Jason turned to him and said, I don't think you heard the amount. And Kevin said, yes, sir, I heard, I got this. And he paid for his groceries. Now, Jason took this picture, because what's the first thing you do? You snap a selfie. But he didn't get his name, he didn't get his phone number, nothing. So then Jason, of course, goes home and he posts on Facebook about what happened and the kindness of this stranger and paying for his groceries. And sure enough, someone said, oh, I know Kevin. And then Jason invited him and his wife to his home for barbecue. Friendship has developed. And you ask Jason now, and Jason says, you know what, he's, it's more than a friendship. He's my brother. He has the most sincere soul I've ever met. I think, through Kevin, Jason found his ghost. Jason found the Holy Spirit because of the kindness, the generosity, the unselfishness of Kevin who's living in it. He's a truck driver who's living of his life in a way that represents uh, the body of Christ and how Christians are intended to live. And Kevin just says this, if I got it, you've got it. 
that kind of unselfishness is really the hallmark of life in Christ. If we're being selfish, if we're demanding our own way, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 13, we can't be unselfish. We can't have the kind of love for one another that is who we are when we are open to the Spirit and we are the body of Christ. If I've got it, you've got it. You know, uh, at the end of this text in Acts, it says, in day by day, after they're doing all these things, they're together, they're praying, they're worshiping, they're breaking bread together, they're giving one to the other gener- generously, they're, they're excited, they're, they're, they've got Christ as their head and the Spirit filling them. It says, in day by day, many were being added who were being saved. Now, it says being saved. It doesn't say they were all saved and could just sit down and wait for express train to heaven. What it's saying is they're coming together as the body of Christ and they're growing together in the love of God of Jesus Christ. They're learning how to be the people that God has created us to be. I think that we are to be a laboratory where we learn love. We are called to be people who know how easy it is to walk away or how easy it is to troll people on Facebook anonymously or how easy it is to stir things up or how easy it is to say, I'm just going to be selfish, I don't care. That's the ways of the world. We are called to learn to love one another as Christ and God have loved us. You know, yesterday was uh, a very hard day. We had uh, that special called annual conference uh, for United Methodists, and we're voting on 55 Methodist churches departing. Now, there's still 500 Methodist churches in Oklahoma, so it's not like the end. The end! The sky is falling! I'm going to carry a sign. No! We're still okay. But when you, when you send off 55 churches of people who have been your brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe some of them were celebrating that they get to be free now, but most of us left with heavy hearts. Yeah. You know, I just, I said, I, I feel icky. Yeah. Right? You, you, there's no way you can walk away from that feeling, okay, good, we did a good day's work. It's a terrible feeling. And uh, uh, we were sit, our district was seated toward the front, and as I was walking out, our conference lay leader was coming down from the platform, and I know him, and we greeted each other, we commiserated for a moment, and then he looked at me and he said, you know, Elaine, I'm, I'm a conservative. And I said, yeah, I know that. And he said, but isn't the whole point of the church that in spite of our differences, we learn to live together. Isn't the whole point that we don't think alike, but we love alike? And I was like, yes, that's absolutely what I think is the gospel message. You know, this this is the bottom line, and you've heard me say this before. If we don't learn to love, we're not going to get the rest of it right. 
that we have to be one people trying our best to love one another and to see the best in each other. You know, and the only way we can do that is in and through God's Holy Spirit, being open to the Spirit, being open to the Spirit like those first Christians that said, I really, really want to live the life Jesus Christ is calling me to live. I don't want to live the way of the world and put a little God mark on it. I want to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. This morning when, uh, when I was trying to get my spirit in the right in the right framework after yesterday's ickiness, I was reminded of our hymn number 420. You know God didn't gift me with uh, the gift of singing. But you know this song. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure, until with thee I will, one will, to do and to endure. Our calling in Christ is to be in this place where we learn to love one another. And part of my joy of being at the village is the very fact that we have decided that we may not think alike, but we're going to do our best to love alike. That is the church of Jesus Christ. And no matter what comes, when we get to heaven's gate, you're not going to be asked, did you, did you, you know, did you uh, uh, judge this right and judge that right and leave these people and exclude those people? We're going to be asked, did you learn how to love? That's it. And the, the most true thing I can say I love you. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.